I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you have yet to go visit the Dr. Dish Basketball website, you're missing out on a lot of great resources Included in those resources is a shooting series that I've designed for you to use with your players. You have drills there, an explanation of the drill, and then also videos of those drills. To find out more, just simply visit drdishbasketball.com. Click the blog from the drop-down menu. Again, that's drdishbasketball.com. Making his second appearance on the podcast, NBA shooting coach Dave Love. Coach, thanks for stopping in again. Coach, thanks for the uh, the invitation. These are always fun to uh, to really build a relationship and uh, get to know you. So selfishly, thank you for in, in inviting me back on. Yeah, I unashamedly say the exact same things. These are just an opportunity for me to talk and make coaching friends, and uh, we let other people listen in on it. Last time Coach was on the show was about a year and a half ago. You want to give them kind of an idea of what you've been up to since then? <laughs> Obviously, at times, not very much. And uh, and then uh, starting to see my business uh, returning back to uh, a version of normal and at least going in the in the right direction. So I spent a good part of early and mid-2020 taking stock of what, what I was good at and where I was maybe lacking as a coach. And uh, and one of the things that that I really dived into was the the science of skill acquisition, and it completely changed the way that I do workouts. Uh, and then through the uh, the last uh, couple of months, I've been focusing more on trying to quantify shooting a lot more, and rather than having anecdotal evidence and uh, anecdotal like opinions on what should be done in the shooting motion, trying to have uh, some science to, to back it up. And so that's been really fun and, and interesting. And then starting to get back into working with my pro players and, uh, and doing clinics around the world again. Yeah. The skill acquisition is what we really want to focus on on I mean, layman's term, just kind of the how to the practicing of the shooting. We talked last time with coach about the micro skills, some of the common errors. Um, you can go back and listen to that episode and those may kind of, some of those things may, may pop up a little bit today but really the the how to it and on an individual basis as well as on a on a team level let's just start with the individual level coach what are you observing working with players uh, watching coaches even i know we spent a lot of our time during the pandemic watching what people were doing on by way of their social media channels and uh that's kind of clued us in as to uh, how people practice shooting so you know from that individual level what are some of those things the things that I noticed that uh, that the common mistakes that get made in in how we practice tend to be not being accountable enough or not identifying the habit that that a player needs to work on uh, as specifically as needed. We tend to go to a very surface level of I'm working on my shot and uh, and I think we need to dig a lot deeper than that. okay, what part of your shot is holding you back? Uh, and then the accountability to actually improving that. I, uh, a lot of young coaches or lesser experienced coaches, even if they identify what needs to be worked on, uh, there isn't the accountability to actually changing the habit that they say they're working on on a certain part of the, the shooting motion. But then as you watch the drills, you see 
but you're not actually the what that the habit that you're say you're changing isn't changing and uh and so at that point it's it's really comes down to you're you're not adjusting the layers of the drills enough to put the player in a position to change the movement pattern can you kind of walk us through maybe a very specific example of that it could be even something that common error that is found in a lot of shooters but what it typically looks like when a coach says we're going to work on our shot and then what it should actually look like to be addressing what's wrong with that shot what it tends to look like and th this is a vast generalization like I, I certainly don't mean to be uh, implying everybody does this because that's not uh, that's not true but what i tend to see the mistake that i tend to see is we do form shooting and that tends to be just slow unrealistic shooting and players go out and they do what they're calling form shooting and it's close to the basket and it's with their hand tucked behind their back and but there's there's no uh, there's no accountability to a specific habit within this. They're just shooting with one hand slowly from close to the hoop. That doesn't necessarily change a movement pattern or change towards the movement pattern that we want. We're just practicing a useless skill at that point. And then the, the follow-up mistake is then jumping straight from that form shooting that should be deliberate into game shots from game spots at game speed. And that's like building a bridge, but putting a, one board at one end and the, another board at the other end and calling it a bridge. And, uh, and we don't, and the, the forcing the player to figure out how to jump from one side to the, uh, the other rather than leading them with multiple boards. So what I try and focus on doing uh, instead is being hyper, hyper aware of what habit is it that we're working on. So let's say a player thumbs the ball there, the guide hand is getting very involved. Uh, we identify, okay, we need to be able to get that guide hand off so that we're simplifying the direction of the energy of the two pieces of hand. And we're just getting one variable pushing the ball towards the target to, in order to get that guide hand off the ball, we identify that first we have to fix a shooting hand, that it's not a guide hand issue. It's the, the guide hand is trying to compensate for a shooting hand issue. So we have to fix the shooting hand position. Really understanding that and then slowing everything down enough that a player has a chance to put their shooting hand in the right par uh, part of the ball. If I just say to you, here's the mistake that I see you making, your hand gets over on the side of the basketball and your, your fingers aren't aligned with the, uh, the target and still you push with your guide hand, go and change that then the situation that you try and change it in is probably gonna be too complex for you to actually change the movement pattern. And so simplify that enough that, that a player can actually do the thing that you're trying to hold them accountable to. And then as they improve, slowly start to layer that to make it more like a game. And when I say slowly, that might take over the course of weeks or months as opposed to slowly within one workout try and end up with a finished product allow the player a chance to identify and then layer to to slowly get comfortable with these new movement patterns that uh, that are uncomfortable to them in the beginning one of the hardest things that i one hear of the hardest is, things that i hear is it's slow it's slow. and most want to go like you said from the start i identify it and then we work on it a little bit and then we jump right to the end of the playing and there's not much lasting change that takes place. And my next question was going to be, you know, how, how long should we anticipate something like this 
I'm going to guess that you're going to say it varies from player to player, and it also varies based off of what what you're correcting. Right. Yeah. Both of those are are probably the biggest part of the uh, the answer. And I, I think I think it's important also to understand there's no finish line, so there's no no shooter is a finished product. Steph Curry, in my opinion, is the greatest shooter that's ever walked the planet. Although I don't necessarily love the way that he shoots it, his the results are unbelievable. So he's mastered his shot, but he still misses 60% of his threes in game. So could he get better? Yes, absolutely. Which is shocking and startling and, and, and scary to imagine. Uh, but yes, he could. And so don't, don't think for a second that you're ever going to get to a point where you're finished improving and just enjoy the process of improving and getting better. And wherever you are in that process, whether you're just starting and, and you're identifying what you're working on, or you're trying to just find little tiny things that can help you get another two makes a season uh, because you're already really good, then just enjoy where you are and be challenging yourself to do a little bit better. Now you have the advantage of a lot of times you're going in and working with a guy individually or, you know, a couple over the course of several weeks. But for most that are listening to this, you know, they're working as a high school coach or a college coach where they have very limited time or more limited time. And they're working from a, a team perspective. So the carryover, the differences and how you would adapt maybe that for more of a team setting or more of on a level that most here are, are going to be working on. How would you go about doing that? Yeah, I had a, uh, over the last year and a half, developed a mentor, a friend slash mentor who's uh, in the skill acquisition world, and that's where he's an expert. Uh, and so he really, uh, he makes his living in the golf world, uh, coaching the coaches. And so I've been lucky enough to have numerous conversations with him. And the one thing that really stood out to to me was he said, you know, it's really, it's almost impossible to do deliberate practice in a group setting that as soon as you have multiple people, the likelihood that they're out, they need to work on the same habit drops significantly. Uh, the likelihood that you can hold them accountable enough to for them to actually be deliberate uh, drops significantly. And that's just the reality. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean we don't try, but it's a huge challenge for, uh, for coaches who have 12 players and one or two coaches in the gym to say, like, how are we going to get deliberate practice uh, with our players? Uh, so some of the things that I try and do are find these five-minute windows um, and find, okay, can we, in this time before practice actually starts, we say it starts at 3 o'clock, but really we don't really get going until 3.05. Can you grab a player one of the coaches, can they grab a player and just get five minutes of deliberate practice with that individual? Then when uh, the team is doing their dynamic warm-up, can each coach pull a different player for, again, just maybe it's just two or three minutes on water breaks uh, at the end of practice, just before school starts? Like, can you find these consistent five-minute windows? Because I think we underestimate how valuable just consistently giving that same message for just a short period of time can be. It doesn't need to be a 45-minute workout that you do with the player. It's the spreading those 45 minutes out over a number of days can be just as beneficial, if not more. So find those and then 
be consistent with what you're working on. Every five minute window, work on the biggest win. Identify the biggest habit that's holding a player back and win that battle over the course of the season. Don't try and divide your army and work on multiple different habits for five minutes and they never get any time, the player never gets any time to get better with, better at or comfortable with a new habit. And then in group settings, when you have like a group drill, just be really aware of what is what are the sorts of habits that everybody can improve upon and identify not just the situation, but the habit that everybody's working on in that situation. And I think that the biggest one is everybody can benefit from being on better balance when you shoot the basketball. That uh, in these dynamic situations, when we're cutting hard and generating a lot of energy, every, every single player can benefit from trying to be more stable in those dynamic situations. So, so focus on the something, something that applies to everybody and, and really don't just identify the situation, identify the habit in the situation. There is in this day, we are in love with random and we are in love with, with small sided games and we are in love with the encouragement to embrace the messiness. And then I sometimes get with shooting that it's the opposite of that. Let's practice just block shooting. Do you feel like for the skill acquisition component that the block is better than the random or the random better than the block? Or are there just pros and cons to each? And if that's the case, what should a coach keep in mind when selecting what they should be incorporating into their practice, either on like a daily basis or over the course of a week, we need to have this type of mixture. Okay. You're killing me coach. Cause those that individually, I just asked like 20 all, questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah and they were all unbelievable questions, all important questions that need to be asked. You said, uh, we're in love with random and small-sided. Well, we should be. Unfortunately, I don't think enough of us are. And this is something that like, I don't claim to be an expert in this. I'm still learning from people like Chris Oliver and, uh, and, and uh, people like that on how to, how to embrace more variable and random practice. So let's make sure that we understand what they are. Block is basically doing the same thing over and over and over again. Variable is increasing the, the variability of the situation and then random is applying all these different skills potentially into a very random uh, situation. And I, I try and make sure that I remember, because this is still something that even though it's, I've been thinking about now for a number of years, it's still not ingrained in me. I have to be very conscious of, of these uh, habits. Block practice is not bad. Block practice alone just doesn't transfer to a game. And so with my my mentor in skill acquisition, the the line that he gave that really resonated with me was, uh, we make things as block as necessary and as variable and random as possible. So identify what you're working on. And then if you're early on in that process and the, and the player is having trouble with the movement pattern, then they may need to repeat the same motion over and over and over again with very little variation. But as soon as they get better at it, we should be increasing the, the variability of that. And I try and keep in mind that the variability is a dimmer switch with 
every shade, I'm mixing my metaphors, but every shade of gray between black and white. And so that's where I start to play with seven different layers of uh, within drills. You can, you can change the distance, you can change the speed, you can change the movement, you can change, add or subtract dribbles or catches or defenders and decisions from all that. And you're just, you're constantly playing with all those different layers, searching for the appropriate level of challenge for a player, the, where they can get the, the habit correct most of the time, when they feel the mistake when they make it, and when it's challenging for them. And, and as they get better, hopefully that appropriate level of challenge shifts closer and closer to game speed and game situations. I have found that the block is the reasoning behind it. A lot of times coaches will say it just allows us to get a lot of shots up in a short amount of time. And I completely understand that. But then I have found as well, as soon as you introduce a defender, typically those of us that just practice block, the first time that they're introduced to a defender is in a game and it doesn't usually transfer very well. I don't want people to miss what you said, exact, found exactly what you said. It doesn't have to be then just let's increase the amount of five on five shooting that we do. I don't even know how to go about doing that. I think I saw a stat one time that you play an hour of pickup and you probably are only going to get around the average is around like 13 shots. That's not going to do you much good either. But you can, if all they need is a defender, then have a defender running at them when they shoot and allow them to get up a lot of shots. But if it's a better player, then maybe they're running off screens with a defender coming at them and the time and the space and the movement that you just said. I think that's when you can kind of like toy with it and really cater it to what that player needs. Is is that what you found? Yeah, and I think there can be simple, simple adjustments to block practice that make it get all the benefits out of the block with just more variability that uh, that that will help the player translate to the game more and so using dr dish a uh, little plug for your sponsor it, rather than just standing in that spot uh, and having the 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 machine feed you shot after shot after shot just move in a different way to the same spot that's adding variability. Now we've moved out of block into variable practice. Is it game? Eh, not totally, but uh, but it is getting a better transfer. So just a two-step drift to the baseline, a back pedal out to the corner, a sprint and a pivot, a sprint and a reverse pivot, and just repeat that four-shot uh, sequence. And all of a sudden, instead of just standing in the, the same spot, you're getting much more realistic uh, work in a kind of a block environment. You're getting the both best of both worlds. Have you found that if by chance you move too quickly to that random, that players who have not reinforced the right habits end up not finding success? Yeah, you're you're constantly as a coach taking an educated guess on are they doing the habit that we're working on? Are they executing that habit well in this environment? And if the answer is yes then you need to be changing the environment to making it a little bit more like a game. And you can take an educated guess on in what way can I challenge them now that is an appropriate challenge. And there's no definitive do this, then this, then this, then this. So it is just an educated guess. And sometimes you guess wrong. And you have to just be, as a coach, willing to say, okay, we tried that. We tested. And the test didn't really go that well. So let's, let, we don't need to necessarily go back to the level that we're at before, but let's see if we can find a level in between. Mm -hmm. And you should be testing 
constantly uh, to see if the player can apply what they're doing into a more realistic environment. And then you need to be aware when the test doesn't go well over the course of a number of reps, not just one shot that they miss, a number of reps. This isn't going the well, well. We're either big dip in results or we're reverting back to our old movement pattern. Uh, so let's simplify it in, in some way again. I wish more coaches viewed coaching as an uncharted journey rather than a planned out trip because you said I, I, individual players react differently and, and there isn't exact formula for, for things. It's just applying what you know in a situation that the, that the player needs it. And do you think that comes in maturity as coach? Like I found that as I grow and as I get more confident in my abilities as a, as a coach and as I mature as an individually uh, individual, hopefully that I'm more willing to admit that I don't know things mm -hmm. or admit that there's multiple ways to do things. And uh, would you agree with that or do you have? Yeah, that's the biggest difference? one for coaches, especially the multiple way to do things and uh, always learning that there could be a better way or slightly things, you know, small details that can make you better or can improve the right. way that you're way that you're doing it. But I find that that's the fun part of being a coach. It's not yeah. very fun if you figure it out and you can get it down and just kind of repeat it over and over again. And it doesn't work out like that anyways. Um, right. So I wanted to kind of just leave this last one open-ended for you because skill acquisition and what you've learned in the last year and a half, and maybe it could be something that that your mentor has helped you realize, you know, one, two or three, whatever it is, but biggest things that have helped you in your teaching or help you in your coaching improve what you're doing with players. I think the biggest part is, I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, put this in a nice bow, so just let me ramble for a second. I know what I want the player to work on. I know what I need them to discover, but I think I'm much better now at guiding them towards discovering that themselves as opposed to me telling them the answer. When I tell them the answer, it feels awesome for me. Mm -hmm. I feel like look at me. I just solved your problem for you. See how important I am? But it sucks for the player because they're like, oh, this old guy with, with no hair. He just, like, he thinks he knows everything. When we can flip that and I can just guide them towards the discovery for themselves, they get to feel like the star. And when they have that feeling, then they're empowered it's their decision and they're more invested in the, the solution. So I think that's kind of the, the biggest thing uh, in addition to all the stuff that we've talked about already. Uh, the one that like has really helped me is just letting them be the star of the show and let them discover for themselves. Yeah, I totally agree. And we've taken similar paths in the last year and a half. It's just, you've been doing it with shooting and I've been doing it. I think it connects to the variable and the random practice, allowing the players to discover for themselves is much more meaningful and impactful and long-term to their skill acquisition allows them to remember it better. If I'm just giving them the information, it's just another piece of information that they store probably in their short-term memory that has no lasting impact on their actual remembering. Again, it makes you feel like you're not doing your job, maybe. Right. But that's what that's what really good teaching is, is allowing people to to learn, help them learn for themselves. One hundred percent. It's it's a different it's a different mindset as a coach. And it yeah. uh and you when you embrace it, you quickly discover that oh, we still get that uh that moment of I helped 
that feeds our own ego. Um, but it just, it comes in a different way, uh, where you, you help somebody rather than you, you solve the problem for them, you help them discover their solution. And that can be equally gratifying in a different way. Totally agree. As expected, a lot of great stuff and coach shares a ton of great information, whether that's on social or on the web. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to share where can people connect with you, whether that's through a social channel or through a website, social media, Instagram and, uh, and face or, uh, Instagram and Twitter, where I do most of my sharing and, uh, on screen, you can see coach. Dave Love. And then if you go to coachdavelove.com and sign up for my newsletter, uh, then I've got a bunch of information that uh, that I share through the, uh, the newsletter as well. That's Coach Dave Love. Coach, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. My pleasure. Thanks so much again for having me on. Great to see you again. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.